Hey fellow dads, did you ever think that an old-fashioned steam locomotive could help us understand an important question about our faith? I think it can. Keep listening to find out how. Through wisdom is an house builded, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Hi friends, welcome to the Treasure Box Books Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Ching, a redeemed child of God, happy husband and homeschooling dad, and lifelong lover of good books. Fellow dad, are you eager to fill your children's hearts with truth and faith and wisdom and courage? Do you long to build growing, lasting, God-centered relationships with your family? If you're ready to inspire and equip your children to walk with God by learning and living together, then come join us on our journey, and let's go find the treasures in books. A well-known pastor in the Southeast United States has proclaimed that the apostles unhitched New Testament teaching and Christian practice from the Jewish scriptures, that is, from the Old Testament He claimed that the Old Testament is the greatest single hindrance to people coming to faith in Christ. Well, what do you think? Should we unhitch from the Old Testament? If you ever get the chance to take your children to a museum called the Henry Ford in Detroit, Michigan, I hope you will jump at the opportunity And plan on spending a good several hours there. And no, they didn't pay me to say this. I've just enjoyed it so much with my own children. In the past seven years, my travels have brought me near enough to Detroit that I've been blessed to take four of my sons there. And there's so much to see. And every time we go, I see something new and really hope that each of my kids will get the opportunity uh, to go someday. Now, in the Henry Ford, they have various collections, ranging from presidential limousines to the development of the American kitchen decade by decade. They have airplanes. They have sports cars. They even have the Oscar Mayer Wiener there. (laughs) And at least in pre-COVID days, your kids could dress up like a hot dog. One of the most impressive collections on display showcases American-made locomotives, probably better known as steam engines, or for our younger listeners, choo-choos. One of the locomotives in that collection is not to be missed. And in fact, if you see it, you can't miss it. It is huge. It's called the Allegheny Locomotive. It was built in 1941 It measures 125 feet in length, 16.5 feet in height, 11 feet in width, and it weighs in at 1,200,000 pounds. (laughs) That is big. It was able to produce 7,500 horsepower, and it could pull 160 coal cars, each one of them containing a load of 60 tons. And keep in mind that this locomotive pulled those heavy coal cars through the rugged terrain of the Allegheny Mountains in West Virginia. And I don't know about you, but 
I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed by that. And if you get a chance to go to the Henry Ford, be sure to walk over there to the back of the building and climb up into the Allegheny locomotive and get your picture up there and be impressed with that American ingenuity. Now, wouldn't it be silly if someone further back on the train, back in the 1940s, someone manning one of those coal cars, decided, you know what, we don't need the locomotive up there. Let's unhitch from the locomotive. Depending on the grade that the train happened to be on at the moment, things could go pretty wrong pretty quickly. And that's how I look at what that pastor from the Southeast said when he recommends that Christians unhitch from the Old Testament. In a way, he's actually suggesting that we do just what our imaginary friend back there on the coal car said. Let's unhitch. Let's detach ourselves from the very instrument that God used to set the stage for the coming of his son, the very instrument that God used to, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Should Christians unhitch from the Old Testament? Should we cast it aside? Should we be embarrassed and ashamed of the Old Testament? Should we look at it as a hindrance to people coming to Christ to answer these questions? And the big question, should we unhitch from the Old Testament? Let's think about some other questions, looking mostly to the New Testament for our answers. And let's jump right in. Question number one, what does the New Testament say about why the Old Testament was written? Three verses all from the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6. Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. What was the Apostle Paul referring to there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10? He's referring to the Old Testament, the record of how God dealt with the Israelites in the wilderness. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. Now, all these things, and in context, he's talking about the Israelites in the wilderness. Now, all these things happened unto them for and samples, and they are written for, here it is, they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. And so, according to the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Old Testament was written to teach us, was written to warn us, written for our admonition. Let's think about a third verse, Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime, okay, so that would include all of the Old Testament, whatsoever things, whatever things were written aforetime, whatever was written before, that's the Old Testament. That's Genesis all the way through Malachi. 39 books of the Old Testament. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. When the Apostle Paul referred to the Scriptures in Romans 15, he, of course, was talking about the Old Testament. The New Testament was not completed yet. In fact, almost every time the New Testament refers to the Scriptures or the Holy Scriptures, that phrase refers to the Old Testament. 
And so according to these three verses, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 6 and 11, and Romans 15, 4, why was the Old Testament written? It was written for our example, for our warning or admonition, for our learning, and for our comfort. Do you want to unhitch from that? Let's think about the second question. To the person without knowledge of the Old Testament, does the New Testament really make sense? Think about Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, the opening lines of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Well, who are David and Abraham? (laughs) If we don't have an Old Testament, we don't know who they are, and therefore we don't have a reason to understand, to know why Jesus Christ is important. Think about John chapter 3, in which the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to Nicodemus, who was a master, a teacher of Israel, and Jesus referred Nicodemus back to an Old Testament story to explain to Nicodemus, to help Nicodemus understand what Jesus himself would accomplish on the cross. Listen to this, John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, imagine that we have only the New Testament. We have only the New Testament, no Old Testament. And we read this, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Do we have any idea what that means from the New Testament alone? We don't. Without the Old Testament, we have no clue what this means, that Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. If you're not familiar with that, you can find that story in Numbers chapter 21, the story of Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. And if you compare that story to the story of Jesus being raised up on the cross, you'll find some very, very interesting parallels. Now, John chapter 6, another example. John chapter 6, verses 32 through 33, the Lord Jesus was teaching the Jewish leaders how he was the life giver come down from heaven. And here is the the illustration that he used. John chapter 6, verses 32 and 33. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Okay, pause and think. If you had only the New Testament and you did not have an Old Testament, would you know what this is talking about? Would you know what bread from heaven and its connection with Moses was all about? Jesus was likening himself to the manna God gave to the Israelites during their wilderness wanderings recorded in Exodus. And he referred to those people who knew something about it, and he was able to use that illustration because they were very familiar with the Old Testament. Another example is in John chapter 8, verses 56 through 58. Again, the Jewish 
leaders were persecuting Jesus verbally, and they were intending, I think, at that point already in his life to persecute him physically. The Bible says here that Jesus said to the Jewish leaders, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? A little footnote here. Abraham lived more than 1,500 years before Jesus Christ was born. John 8, 58. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. And then, in verse 59, the Bible tells us, Then took they up stones to cast at him. Why did they pick up stones to cast at Jesus? Because they understood what he meant. They understood that he was claiming to be equal with God. Because in the Old Testament, and only in the Old Testament do we read, where God calls himself, I am. To the person without knowledge of the Old Testament, does the New Testament really make sense? Not really. Question number three. According to both Old Testament and New Testament, what does God use his law, which is part of the Old Testament, to accomplish? According to Psalm 19, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. A New Testament verse that brings that verse out in its fulfillment or its completion is Galatians 3, verse 24. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. So, according to the Old Testament and the New Testament, what does God use his law to accomplish? He uses it to convert souls and to bring us unto Christ. Question number four. How did Jesus view the Old Testament? Let's just go through these quickly in just a few examples. John chapter 5, verse 47. He said, But if ye believe not his writings, referring to Moses, that is the first five books of the Old Testament, if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Luke 24, 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them, or he explained unto them, in all the scriptures, that is in the Old Testament, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So what do the Old Testament scriptures speak of, or more correctly, about whom do the Old Testament scriptures speak? They speak about Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 14, verses 61 and 62. But he held his peace, that is, he kept quiet. He held his peace and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. What was the Lord Jesus Christ referring to there in his trial? 
He was referring to Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And they knew exactly what he said and what he meant. In fact, that is one of the strongest and clearest claims to the deity of Christ in the Gospels, in which Jesus referred to an Old Testament passage to answer his critics about who he was. So, how did Jesus view the Old Testament? Well, he quoted from it and he referred to it to prove his own deity. He claimed to be God in the flesh. Question number five. We're trying to answer the question, should we unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament? Question number five. What does the New Testament instruct Christians to do with the Old Testament? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. There are three categories of singing that Christians are instructed to participate in, and we are instructed to use three kinds of songs, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. The same instruction is repeated in Colossians chapter 4, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Psalms are one of the three categories of music that Christians are instructed to use in our worship of the Lord. What are psalms? Well, psalms are the songbook. Psalms make up the songbook of the Old Testament. It's one of the longest books of the Old Testament. And I have some questions based on these two instructions given us from Ephesians 5 and Colossians 4. Question number one, how can we sing psalms, which are one of the longest books of the Old Testament, if we aren't familiar with the Old Testament? Question two, do the psalms make sense without the rest of the Old Testament? And here's what I mean. There are several psalms that contain details that are given only in other Old Testament passages and are never referred to in the New Testament. These will all be listed in the show notes, but I'll, I'll say them here just to give you an idea of some of them. These are not all of them. This is not a comprehensive list, but these are some of the Psalms that are like that. Are you ready? Here we go. Psalm 48, 60, 68, 77, 78, 79. 80, 81, 83, 84, 87, 89, 99, 102, 105. Each of these psalms mentions a detail given only in Old Testament passages, not in New Testament passages. Also, Psalm 119, which is the longest of the psalms, in fact, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, It mentions the Word of God in every one of its verses except two. When Psalm 119 was written, what was then known as the Word of God and all the other ways of referring to it, the testimonies of the Lord, the judgments of the Lord, the law of the Lord, and so on, was what today we call the Old Testament. 
And so if you follow Ephesians and Colossians and you sing psalms, which is a wonderful Christian practice, if you sing psalms and you sing Psalm 119, you're going to sing about the Word of God. And that Word of God that you're singing about is the Old Testament. Because yes, now that the New Testament is completed and all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, yes, Psalm 119 does refer to the New Testament, but when Psalm 119 was written and when all the Psalms were compiled, all that the Hebrew people had was the Old Testament. And so when you sing Psalm 119, you sing about the law of the Lord and the Word of God, you're singing about the Old Testament. And so, what does the New Testament instruct Christians to do with the Old Testament? Well, one of the things that we're instructed to do is to sing the Old Testament. Now, let's think about question number six. How did the apostles view the Old Testament? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, informs us that the apostles were the foundation of the church. Jesus laid that foundation. In Acts chapter 2, the apostle Peter, being part of the foundation for the church, setting the stage for the church that would come about, preached. And what did he preach? He preached from the Old Testament. Let's come over to the book of Romans. The book of Romans, written by the apostle Paul, contains about 60 references to the Old Testament. And the book of Romans is not very long. If you were to read it at normal speed, normal conversational speed, you could read to the book of Romans in about an hour. At that rate, you'd be reading or quoting from about one verse every minute, all from the Old Testament. In the Apostle Paul's writings, what we call the Pauline epistles, three times Paul asked a question question was this, what saith the scriptures? What do the scriptures say? What saith the scriptures? These are found in Romans 4 verse 3, Romans 11 verse 2, and Galatians 4 verse 30. This question obviously refers to the Old Testament, again, because the New Testament was not yet written. Also, the phrase, it is written, appears 63 times in the New Testament. And, of course, each one of those is referring to the Old Testament. You and I probably have heard the term gospel thrown around with little ambiguity. But in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 4, the Apostle Paul defined what the gospel is. And when we say the gospel, that means the gospel of Christ, the gospel of the grace of God. He defined that term, and in that definition— He used a phrase two times, and I'll read you the definition. And as I read this definition, listen for that phrase that he repeated. Here it is, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 4. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That is the definition of the gospel of the grace of God, the glorious gospel of Christ. And what phrase did Paul use twice in that short definition? According to the Scriptures. According to the Scriptures. 
That means that Christ Jesus our Lord fulfilled the good news, the work of redemption, in perfect fulfillment of all the prophecies that were given in the Old Testament concerning him. He died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried, and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. According to the Apostle Paul, in this definition of the gospel, without the scriptures, without the Old Testament, we would not have the gospel. So, how did the apostles view the Old Testament? Well, they preached from it, and they wrote their epistles based on it, on its authority, and from their viewpoints, proclaiming the gospel of Christ without using the Old Testament would have been unthinkable. Question number seven, what does God think of his word? What does God think of his word? Well, this is from the Old Testament, this answer, but it answers the question. Psalm 138, verse 2, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. God thinks so highly of his word that he has magnified it above his own name, the name above all names. According to Psalm 138, verse 2, that's sure what it looks like. And that word at that time, when Psalm 138 was written, was the Old Testament. Now we come to question number eight. But before we think about question number eight, we need to set it up with some background. While it's true that now, with the completion of the New Testament, both Testaments together present a complete picture of God, mankind, sin, salvation, and the right way to live, it's also true that when the New Testament was still being written, the Old Testament was the only Scripture believers in Jesus Christ possessed. With that in mind, in what ways was the Old Testament useful for Christians? 2 Timothy 3 verses 15 through 17 answer that question very well. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So, in what ways is the Old Testament useful for Christians? The Old Testament was, and it is, profitable for New Testament believers, and it is said to enable the perfecting or the completing of the man of God, it is even able to make us wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Hmm. Should we unhitch from the Old Testament? <laughs> Question number nine. What did the Lord Jesus Christ himself say about the words, the words of the Old Testament? In Matthew 5, verses 17 through 18, he said this, Think not that I am come to destroy the law 
or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. What are jots and tittles? Well, a jot is the translation in the King James Version of the Greek word iota, iota. And that is a translation from the Hebrew letter yod. It's a very tiny letter. In English, it would probably be something like the dot that distinguishes the minuscule letter I from the letter L. It's just a tiny little thing. What about tittle? What is a tittle? It's the line that differentiates one Hebrew letter from another. It's similar to the line that makes a capital E distinguishable from a capital letter F, or what shows the difference between a capital T from a capital I. It's just one mark. So what was the Lord Jesus saying here in Matthew chapter 5? He was declaring that not only would God protect the thoughts of the Old Testament for all time, not only would he protect and keep and preserve every word of the Old Testament throughout all time, but that he would keep even the minutest detail, the single pen strokes of the scribe's quill, down to the smallest iota. So what did the Lord Jesus himself say about the words of the Old Testament? He promised that every word of the Old Testament would be preserved until heaven and earth pass away. That must mean that God thinks pretty highly of the Old Testament. Finally, question number 10. How important did Jesus say the words of the Old Testament are to our lives? In Matthew 4, verse 4, he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. How important did Jesus say the words of the Old Testament are to our lives? He said that we live by every word of God. And that clearly includes the Old Testament. This was itself a quotation from the Old Testament. With all these questions and biblical answers in mind, should we jettison the Old Testament? Should we unhitch from the first 39 books of the Bible, the Old Testament? No, we're not going to jettison from the Old Testament. We're not going to unhitch from it because to do so would be spiritual suicide. Rather, let's do this. Let's pray that we can have the attitude that the psalmist had toward God's word. Psalm 119, verse 20. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Psalm 119, verse 24. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Well, fellow dads, what do you think? Should we unhitch from the Old Testament or should we spend some time reading it? 
And should we lead our families to do the same? Here are some helpful ideas to get started reading the Old Testament or to continue if that's already your habit. Number one, read through the Bible with your family, including Old Testament passages. We have some practical suggestions for you to do this in episode 24 of this podcast. Suggestion number two, Use Bible storybooks to teach your children the stories of the Old Testament. Check out episode 19 for some ideas there. Number three, sing psalms together. You'll find some practical tools for this listed in the show notes for this episode 31. Number four, when you read Old Testament passages, look for the ways the text points to the Lord Jesus Christ and show them to your family. For example, How do the coats of skins in Genesis 3 point to Christ? How does Noah's Ark illustrate Jesus? How does Joseph of Genesis portray the Son of God? How does Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53 foretell the sufferings of Christ on the cross and his glorious resurrection? Idea number five, read a chapter of Proverbs to correspond with the date every day. For example, I'm recording this on February 15th, 2024, so today I read Proverbs 15. And idea number six, when you read the Bible, either from the Old Testament or from the New Testament, make this your prayer. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Fellow dads, let's not unhitch from the Old Testament. We need it way, way too much. The Lord Jesus Christ said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. If you heard something helpful today or feel better equipped to lead your family, maybe you have a friend who could benefit from this episode too. Don't keep it to yourself. Hit share in your podcast app or take a screenshot of this episode and share it with a friend. Or just post a link on Facebook to treasureboxbooks.com and let your friends know that this episode might encourage them. You can find any links and resources mentioned today on the episode page linked below or just head over to treasureboxbooks.com and sign up to get our newsletter to keep you informed about future episodes and product releases. And if you've got a book recommendation or experience or idea you'd like to share with other dads, send me an email. My address is nathan at treasureboxbooks.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until we meet again, keep leading your family to find the treasures in books. <laughs>